going to continue our series on uh, following Jesus, and we're in Matthew chapter 8 today. Matthew chapter 8. This morning, someone told me, Miss Sandy actually told me this morning that she heard on the radio that we live in a culture of fear. I would agree with that, and probably you would too. Our culture is filled with fear. Everywhere you turn, people are afraid. Now, there's some healthy fears, and there's some unhealthy fears. There is a healthy fear of black eyes to not drive on it. That's a healthy fear. For those who get out when there's black ice on the road and the police and everybody's telling you, do not drive on the roads, that's not smart. A healthy fear is to, to protect your life. A healthy fear is something that's going to keep you safe. An unhealthy fear is, is something that we would deem a little over the top. There are unhealthy fears about people being different. There's unhealthy fears about people having different opinions than us. There's unhealthy fears about bananas. Did you know that people are afraid of bananas? Isn't that crazy? Uh, I'm sorry, I hope nobody here is afraid of bananas. <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm going to keep gaining weight and I'm not going to lose anymore. But it's not going to keep me from uh, picking up the next peanut butter ball and eating it. So even though I may be afraid that I'm going to continue to gain weight, it's not going to stop me from eating my peanut butter balls, which it probably should. But there are healthy fears and there are unhealthy fears. There are times then that we should be afraid, and there are times that that fear is something that we need to really examine. Well, today what I want us to do is I want us to look very closely at a story that comes up in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has done a lot of teaching up to this point in the book of Matthew. Matthew's done a great job talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, really wanting us to understand that Jesus is king. He's not just another man. He is king. And so as we come to chapter 8, last week we looked at how he was healing people and how you know, every day Jesus in faith, He is there and that we need to just take a risk sometime and just believe and just uh, step out there. And I hope that this past week you stood in the gap for someone in your life, someone you know who needed prayer. Today we come to a place where the disciples are tested. Jesus has given them a lot of teachings. He has taught, told them a lot of truth. And along comes this point in verse 23 when, when they are going to go on a journey. Let's begin reading in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 8. And, and as is the custom of us here, because we believe God's word is to be respected and honored. It is our goal. It is our drive. It is our foundation of what we do. Let's join together in standing in respect and honor of the reading of God's word today. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 8 says, When he got into the boat... His disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea 
obey him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this day and this moment to be able to come and to look at what your word says, the truth that it, it has about fear and faith, about Jesus and the storms of our life. Lord, be with us now as we examine your word that you may speak to us in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Franklin Roosevelt said that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than the fear. In other words, courage isn't the absence of faith. It is moving forward in the face of it. Today we find that there's actually three storms happening within this story we just read. One of them is circumstantial. There is a physical storm going on. It's actually uh, referred to here on, on the Sea of Galilee. All of a sudden there would be a storm that would come up out of nowhere. They'd go out there on the boat and there would be this violent storm that they did not see coming that would just appear out of nowhere. Kind of like maybe like on a Saturday morning you wake up and you look outside and there's not a snowflake anywhere and it's just as pretty outside as it was the day before. And then all of a sudden, just a few hours later, everything is covered in white. Out of nowhere, we've got all this snow. That's kind of like this storm, but not as pretty as the snow. This storm just came out of nowhere with them, and it was a very violent storm, so there was a circumstantial situation that brought on a physical storm into their life. The second one is an emotional storm that's happening because they become very afraid. They are scared because of the situation. Now, I want to remind you that the, several of these disciples, they have been on this, this lake, this sea before because they're fishermen. They're accustomed to the weather. They're accustomed to the boats. They know how to navigate boats. They know how to navigate the waters. They know where everything is at. They've been out there before. But they find themselves in a situation where the storm is really, really bad and they're afraid. Pastor, how do you know they're afraid? Well, in Mark chapter 4 and here in what we read, it's very clear that Jesus says, Why are you afraid? And in Mark chapter 4, they even say, Do you not care that we are going to die? They are afraid emotionally. So there's circumstantial storm, there's an emotional storm, and there's also a theological or a spiritual storm happening as well. And that's what we're really going to focus on today because we understand a circumstantial, a circumstantial storm coming in, into our life, right? And we understand emotional storms of us being afraid in our life, right? But I want us to just really bear down on this theological idea of what is happening in this boat at this moment. Jesus has said, according to Mark chapter 4, He looks at the disciples and He says, Let us go to the other side. And even in Matthew here, it says that Jesus gets into the boat first and then the disciples get in after Jesus to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the situation, I want us to look at some specific things that has to do with this spiritual, this theological storm that's going on that is critical to us understand the impact of what's happening. The first thing about the situation I want you to understand is that Jesus is present. Jesus is present in the situation. Verse 23 and verse 24. When he got into the boat, who was in the boat? Somebody help me preach this morning. Come on now. I need your help. Who's in the boat? 
Jesus is in the boat. Is there any doubt that Jesus is in the boat? No, it says that Jesus, He got into the boat. Matthew records that He gets into the boat before the disciples do. So He is in, Jesus is present. Something very interesting I find in Mark chapter 4, the parallel to this story, is that it says that Jesus was in the boat and He was asleep on a cushion. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to fall asleep on purpose, I'm typically going to have a cushion. So what does that tell us about the presence of Jesus? Jesus purposely laid down His head, put it on a cushion, and went to sleep in this boat. Jesus is present and He is asleep on purpose in this boat. Verse 23, when He got got into the boat, His disciples followed Him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus Himself was asleep. Now I find this kind of, kind of odd that Jesus would be sleeping in the middle of a storm. I am not someone who is well versed in boats and I am not uh, one of those nautical individuals that, that has a boat and I've been out on the sea and ocean a lot. But in my mind, Danielle, I would think that if you're on a boat and the storm is as bad as the scriptures are saying, how in the world could anybody sleep in that? But here we find Jesus asleep on purpose. The second thing is, is that we can notice in this situation that the disciples, they are afraid and Jesus is at peace. How many of you can sleep when you're not at peace? Anybody can sleep when you're not at peace? You're worried, there's things going through your mind, you're troubled. Anybody here can sleep like a baby during that time? Nobody's putting your hand up because normally when you sleep, you're normally at peace. When we see a little baby all swaddled up and wrapped up and laying somewhere and they're asleep, what do we normally say? Oh, they look like they're at peace. Whenever we see a puppy dog and they've got their eyes closed and they're sleeping, they're at peace. They feel safe. They feel comfortable. They feel like everything's going to be okay. So in that idea, Jesus is asleep and he feels like everything's going to be okay. I am at peace and I'm going to sleep. But yet, the disciples, they're in a completely different mindset. Let's look at verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. Now, the covered with the waves. You understand that the waves are coming over the boat. That's a big deal. Covered with the waves. But Jesus Himself was asleep. Verse 25. And they came to Him woke him saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. The third thing I want us to to think about is about their fear and what they did in the midst of it. See, they were afraid, even though the Prince of Peace was right there in the boat with them, as it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that He is the Prince of Peace. Why were they so afraid? Because their problem, their circumstance, their storm, Troy, overrode their theology and their spiritual reality of who was present in the middle of the storm. See, their circumstance overrode what they really truly thought that they believed, but the storm revealed what it was that they were struggling with. See, God never wants your circumstances to trump His Word and His truth. 
His word and truth should come before and above your circumstances and your storm. But they let their problem override the promise that Jesus made. Their circumstances were dictating their theology. Remember I said uh, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus specifically says, Let us go to the other side. Here's what I love about this. Someone has pointed this out to me, and, 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 and this is great. I was thinking about this before, but Jesus says, Let us go to the other side. Who believes they're going to make it to the other side with no problem? Jesus does. Who thinks that Jesus lost his mind on the shore because there's a great big storm? The disciples. Because they come to him and say to Jesus, Do you not care that we are perishing? We're going to die. See, their theology was dictated by their circumstances and not the truth of what Jesus had already said. So that's where this storm is so important that we've got to lock on to to understand. And see, when they became so overwhelmed, and at that point where their theology is all messed up, their ideas are messed up, they're, they're spiritually at a, at a crossroads and a point that they're overwhelmed with fear, here is where they turned to Christ when fear overwhelmed them. And let me tell you, they did the right thing. Because did they have to go get Jesus no. Did they have to call him on the telephone? No. Did they have to send him a text? Nope. Did they have to go to church to find him? No. He was right there in the boat in the middle of the storm. And Jesus was at peace. But they were overwhelmed by fear. And so they come to Jesus and wake him up. And, and they say to him, and they say to him, verse 25, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. Now, I don't know about your translation, but in the New American Standard, as I'm looking at it, there's an exclamation point at the end of perishing, which tells me the tense and the way these, these verbs are being used, it is done in a way of, of, of exclamating what they're saying, uh, that they're very, very, uh, they're, they're not just going, save us, Lord, for we're perishing. Oh, save us, Lord, we are perishing. That's not how they're coming across here. Because they're in the middle of a storm. They're going, save us, Jesus. We're going to die. <laughs> okay, that's the real truth of what the, those words are getting across. They're scared. They're going to die. And they turn to him. See, we want Jesus to calm the storm. But he wants us to find him first in the middle of the storm. We want him to take it away. But he wants us to find him right where it is going on. And we have to be careful that in our lives that we are looking for Jesus rather than the storm disappearing. Because as we're going to see, even if the storm of your life goes away, it doesn't mean that your fear is going to disappear. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So if you feel overwhelmed by the world, let me tell you a truth from Jesus Himself. He has overcome the world. He has overcome it and we don't have to fear it. We can be troubled by it, but we can have peace in the midst of it. Because Jesus is there. His truth has got to trump the circumstances. Sometimes, isn't it true that Jesus appears to be asleep in our storms? 
We're going through some difficult things. We're going through some circumstances and it seems like things is hard. And we pray and we pray and it seems like Jesus is just not answering. You've asked Him to heal you and He's not healing you. You've asked Him to provide and He's not providing. And you feel like, does He even care anymore? Well, you're in good company because in Job chapter 23, Job says, I looked for God. I looked to the north. I didn't find Him there. I looked to the south. I didn't find Him there. I looked to the east. I didn't find Him there. I looked to the west. I didn't find Him there. I looked for God and could not find Him. So you're not alone if you feel like God or Christ is asleep in the middle of your storm. But let me remind you Even though it may seem like he's asleep, he's right there in the middle of it. He wants you to find him and look for him and continually not give up. Because Job finally says, but when I come through this, I will be as pure as gold. Because he had his mind on God that God was doing something big in his life. And that's exactly where we need to be. But here's something I want you to hold on to if you're overwhelmed. If you become overwhelmed in your fear, if you become overwhelmed in your circumstances or in your storm, here's what I want you to get. That great fear trembles in the presence of great faith. Great fear trembles in the presence of great faith. See, in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, it's, there's something very interesting that happens that after he calms the storm and Jesus wakes up and says, why are you afraid? It's like, it's, it's like asking a fish, why are you wet? Why are you afraid? Because there's a big storm going on and it's going to sink the boat. Jesus asks this question then, and then he, he just says, oh, you have little faith. And he says... He, it says he rebuked the wind and everything got calm. But in verse 41 of Mark chapter 4, it says, They became very much afraid and said to one another. Now, they were afraid before. But once Jesus just simply rebuked the storm and it got calm, they even got more afraid because they realized that they had been afraid of the wrong thing. Their fear was placed in the wrong place. They were afraid of a storm when Jesus was right there and our fear needs to be of God. Not in the same sense that we're afraid that the storm's going to get us, but that our God is bigger than the storm. And He's the one that we need to put in the proper position and understand that any storm we have in our life is underneath our great God who created all the things in this universe. He has the power to overcome. And see, Jesus had told them, let us go across. And yet the disciples forgot that he said, we're going across. And they were afraid they were going to die before they got there. See, God has put truth in his word. And they were afraid. And I believe there's a great truth today that that the scripture is saying, if you believe in Christ, sometimes you're going to be afraid. And it's not a bad thing that you're afraid, but it's a good idea to look at that fear as a checkup and say, what is it that I'm really afraid of? Where do I have my faith? Am I afraid of the circumstances more than I have the faith and the truth of what God has already said? See, their theology got mixed up. Their mind got turned backwards because they were more 
confident of the outcome with the storm than they were with the outcome of Jesus being in the boat. We've got to be careful not to find ourselves in the same place. The storms test us to see whether we're fair-weather faith fans or not. To see if we are just playing Christianity or if we are really a follower of Christ. See, we have been afraid of the wrong thing in our life. We're afraid of what's going on in our culture. Or we're afraid of what's going on with the weather. Or we're afraid of what's... We can be afraid of a lot of stuff. We can be afraid of spiders, Matthew. Matt. <laughs> we can be afraid of spiders. But the bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. Unless our faith is in Jesus Christ, those fears are going to overwhelm us. But when we believe that Jesus is the one who is over all things, then those fears do not have to, to overtake us and shackle us in forever. We may have to deal with them every day, wake up every day, and, and you know, you, you wake up in the morning and that fear is back. You're afraid of what the doctor's going to say. But can I tell you, grab hold of the truth of Jesus. Go wake Him up. Get the Bible out. Read some Scripture. Find the truth that trumps the circumstances of your life. Look for something that will declare that Jesus is Lord of the circumstances. You have someone standing beside you that is stronger than the one standing against you. You got one who is standing with you and loving you that's stronger than any of the circumstances surrounding you. And that is Jesus. And we have to have our faith in Him. It's not a bad thing to be afraid, but it's a terrible thing not to have our faith in our Lord in the midst of our fear. We have to know that Jesus is there. See, our ability to change the storm is not the goal we have to have the confidence that Jesus is the one in the midst of the storm that we must grab hold of and run to. So what must we do? What must we do is we look at this story and we see that, that these disciples are tested and they are, they are found to be in the middle of a storm and they have forgotten the truth of what Jesus has just told them. Jesus rebukes the wind, calms the sea, they make it to the other side and they find out that they learned a little more about who Jesus was than they did on the shore before they got in the boat. Do you understand they, they knew Jesus better because they had gone through the storm than when they were standing on the side of the shore watching Him heal people, watching Him teach, cast out demons, raise someone from the dead? I mean... You would think that you would learn a lot about Jesus in that situation. But it wasn't until the middle of that storm do they begin to realize who this man truly is. Because they begin to ask themselves, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I just, you know, I'm just going to be transparent. As a man, I would just like to, to, to look at him and go, uh, duh. Look at all the miracles he just did. Why is it that you think he couldn't do that? But what I love is whatever had drawn them to this place where they didn't fully understand Jesus, Jesus took them beyond where they were. That in the middle of the storm, 
they understood Jesus a little bit better. And it made them a more rock-solid disciple because of that. Because of that moment of being so afraid and crying out. So what must we do? Number one, I believe we have to, to fill my heart with divine truth. Fill my heart with divine truth. Jesus gets in the boat and a great storm comes up. Jesus is there. He's not on the shore. He's not at home. The divine truth is right there. And Mark, he, he said, let us go to the other side. Us, meaning all of us. We're not going to drown here, gentlemen. You know, this is an interesting thought. Jesus is asleep in the boat with a great storm up. He has more confidence that everything's going to be okay than the disciples do. The disciples lost all confidence. But Jesus is completely confident. He knows. That's why he's at peace. In fact, I would go as far as to say he probably had, a, had more confidence in the disciples than the disciples did in themselves. Because Jesus thought, we're going to get to the other side. These guys have got it. I mean, after all, they're fishermen. We're going to make it over there. It's, this is good. Could it be that Jesus has more confidence in you than you do in yourself? Could it be that the truth that Jesus has, has an absolute assurity of who you are is higher than what you actually believe you are? Could it be that the truth is that Jesus knows that you can become something you've never dreamed you could become? That He knows that that fear that you're struggling with that fear that has come up in your life that is just scaring you to death can draw you closer to Him and you understand and know Jesus better than anyone. I had a friend just recently say that if they would not want to go back and change their journey because their journey has brought them to a level of faith with Jesus and a relationship with God, that they would not change for the difficulty of the journey that they've had. And they're continuing to go through. That's when someone really gets to know Jesus on an intimate level. See, it's not about the level of fear you have in your life that measures your Christianity. It's where you put your faith in the midst of the storm. You can be afraid in the middle of the storm, but where are you going to run to? So divine truth is really important for us to put into our life when we're afraid. Jesus has given us truth. We need to know what that truth is. We need to be in His Word. We need to be studying. We need to be involved in finding out what that is. If the only time you open your Bible is on Sunday morning when you're in this room, let me tell you, you're not going to be filling your heart with divine truth. You need to be in the Word on a regular basis to be able to fill your heart and mind with divine truth. And then instead of saying, what if, which is fear-driven, you'll be saying, even if, which is faith-driven. Even if the doctor's report comes back negative, my trust is in the Lord that everything's going to be okay. Even if my dad passed away in December, everything's still going to be okay. Even if, that's the words for faith, and that's where we hold on to and move forward. We fill our heart with that divine truth. 
as Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said to the king when he said, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. He's, he's, they said, you know, you can throw us in there. We're not going to bow down to you. And if we go in there, and even if our God doesn't deliver us from that fiery furnace, we're not going to bow down to you because he is king of our life. He is Lord of Lord and he is the king of kings. And that's where we need to be in our life. We have to fill our heart with that divine truth. And second, that divine love. Jesus was there. Jesus did not blast them. He didn't. <laughs> Jesus didn't go, yeah, really, Peter? And just throw him out of the boat and say, well, you just swim to shore. He didn't, he didn't condemn them for their faith. He simply says, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? He was addressing their idea and theology of who he truly was. Why? Are you so afraid? You don't still get it, do you? So His divine love is there and we fill our hearts with that divine love as we're in the Word. And then third, that divine faith. That divine faith prepares us because notice at the front of each one of these it says divine. It's because you cannot do it on your own. There will be fears in your life that will overwhelm you like this storm did the disciples. That's out of your control you can do nothing about. And you will not be able to muster up enough courage to make it through. That's why it takes a divine, divine truth, a divine love, and a divine faith that can only be mustered from the Holy Spirit living within you. The Holy Spirit lives within us because we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we have a relationship with Him. That is the only way we can make it through being so overwhelmed. Today, we come to this place and we're faced with many difficulties in our lives. But I want you to know that this is the day that we can fill our hearts with divine truth. That, listen, Here's a divine truth. Regardless of your circumstances and your storm, Jesus is right there in the present of it. He is right there in the midst of it. Find Him. Look for Him. Don't give up. Know that He's there. And know that He's doing something great. And that you're going to be better on the other side of this storm than you were before you ever got in the boat. Know that today. And know that His love is divine and great for you and that is greater than you've ever thought possible you've never been loved like the way he loves you and that really that faith that you have in God comes from him and not yourself if you think that you're the one that has to muster up enough faith to make the storm go away you need to refocus that prayer and maybe this week what you should do is Lord give me the faith needed to overcome this fear Give me the faith needed. Give me the truth that is needed to overcome this fear. Give me the love that I need to know about so that I can overcome this fear. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. God's Word is real and it's true and hopefully this will help you in the days to come. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the truth that it brings to us that in the midst of all the trouble, in the midst of the storms of our life, in the midst of the difficulties, you are there. You are present. You haven't run away. You haven't gone to another place. 
And God, I declare you're not asleep. You hear our prayers. Your word says that you hear our prayers and that you know our every thoughts, our anxious thoughts. Today, Lord, bring peace to your people. Help them find you in the midst of their storms. God, we thank you for your word and the encouragement it has for us. And may you work in our hearts now that you will give us the faith needed to overcome the fear. That you'll give us the truth that we need so that the fear, we can see it as the liar. And Lord, that we will have the love from you so that we can understand that you are there, that you're present, that you're working, and you want things for us out of this storm that we never thought possible. Lord, work in our hearts and minds today. Lord, without, without you dwelling within us, without your Holy Spirit being there, without having a relationship with you, God, none of these divine truths are possible. None of this divine love and divine faith is possible. So, Lord, today, whoever does not have a relationship with you, may they do something very simple. It's not complicated. Lord, you've made it so simple because you came to earth and you made the way and made it easy that all we got to do is surrender ourselves, ask you to forgive us and take over our life. For God, we cannot do this. So Lord, today, whoever it is, may they just ask you to forgive them and take over their life. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this midst today. In Jesus' name, amen.